Hi, before we get started with the episode, we just wanted to point you in the direction of the social accounts we've set up for the show to help you guys engage with us and communicate and get involved with our show. You can email us at can'tdisappointpodcast at gmail.com. Emailing us will really be the best way to talk to us directly and conversate with us on air during the show. Also, be sure to like You Can't Disappoint a Podcast on Facebook. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Can't Disappoint Podcast and Twitter at You Can't Disappod. That's Disappod like Disappoint. So there's one S and two P's. Well, thanks for tuning in and let's kick off the episode. Here we go. <laughs> think we can begin. I've got everyone's personalized cookie tombstones, por tradición, and in a few minutes we're going to start the dance of the dead, la danza de los muertos. You don't have to keep doing that! Party on! Hello. Hi, Stephen. Happy Halloween. Happy. Hello! <laughs> Happy spooky ooky. It won't be when this is released, but July 1st, as of speaking, it's a, ha- it's a spooky ooky one, though. It is. It is easily the spookiest July 1st of my entire life. Do you remember at all when Cartoon Network used to do Christmas in July? And they had like a week, in, when we were really young, they had like a week yes, in July. Yes, I do, and it was amazing. Where they'd play like all the Flintstone Christmas episodes and stuff. Yeah, that was yeah. such a good thing. I swear. Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon, they used to do their, like, specials, right? Oh, yeah. To the point where there are a lot that I still revisit. I think that, at least for me, the uh, both Jimmy Timmy Power Hours are always worth rewatching. Both? You know there's, like, three, at least three. Oh, shoot, there's a third one, isn't there? Yeah, there sure is. I forgot about the third one. Well, hey, all three are good. <laughs> off the top, a real spooky shout-out to communities on Twitter at C-O-M-M-U-N-I-E-S-S. They're the best. They're so cool, it's scary. Thanks for helping us out. Thanks for sharing us. Follow them if you're not. You're missing out. Yeah. I, I want to give a, another little, little real quick shout out. It's my mom's birthday. Happy birthday. Scariest day of the year. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday. She's awesome. Um, Welcome <laughs> to the pod, everybody. You can't disappoint a podcast. Spooky and thriving. <laughs> Ooh. The it's episode seven. We've almost been podcast. doing this for two months. No, I, I was, like, looking at like my notes in my phone, and, and I saw that today was number seven. I'm like, wow, that's pretty exciting. It, it's, you know, we're in the swing of things. Yeah. We're getting to, seven. Uh, I mean, like possibly the best episode of the season. Climb the mountain, you know. But, mm-hmm. yeah, we're, we're in it now. And to yeah, say I'm best excited. episode of the season, I think this episode that we're here to discuss today, Introduction to Statistics, is one of the best episodes of the entire series. Ooh, I'm excited to hop into it. I think it easily fits in my like top 15 if I were to place one. If I were to make a list like that after we finish our podcast, it might end yeah. up it would probably definitely end up in the top 15 and I could maybe see it in the top 10. I'd have to really look at I it. I think it might crack my top 10, honestly. Also, one thing that I wanted to talk about right off the bat. Um so last week we had a conversation about episodes of television shows that are being pulled because of content because of social matters one day after we had that conversation uh netflix and now hulu pulled the advanced dungeons and dragons episode of community from streaming services so i feel like we got to say something so go yeah 30 seconds here's okay my thoughts about it i like where your hearts 
are at, I think, streaming services, but this ain't it. I feel like, um, like we talked about, there's a way to educate people about things, but also, while I get that it was quite literally the color black on, on his face, it was to depict a dark elf, not a black person, so not the same. I think that there are bigger issues, and this is putting a cork from a wine bottle in a cannonball hole that's in the side of your boat. Lily and I watched the Dungeons and Dragons episode this week because I felt like I had to to see what it was actually. Because I mm-hmm. remembered the image, I didn't remember the whole thing. Yeah. And also this week, I refamiliarized myself with the scenes in Scrubs in the episodes that were cut. Yeah. The ones in Scrubs look really bad, like really bad. It's mm-hmm. they're trying to make white people look like Donald Faison, and it's yeah, like it looks awful. I don't think community is that bad. And watching the episode, there are jokes about blackface. Mm-hmm. They're all sitting at the table, and Chang is dressed up like that, and Shirley says, oh, we're all going to ignore the hate crime right here. <laughs> and then later on, Pierce walks in the room, and he's like, oh, you guys invited Al Jolson, who is someone who was a noteworthy blackface performer back in the day. Yeah, But apparently someone who we researched a little bit, and he was someone who used it to try to, like, spread awareness. Really? It was just, like, in the era of blackface performers. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, more than anything, racism is bad, and if this has been deemed racist, okay. I'm yep. perfectly fine with giving away, giving away an episode of a TV show that's so small compared to racism. But I'm not, I can't speak whether something's racist or not. But I don't think anybody was saying, this is racist, take it away. It yeah, feels and... like what you said, like a company trying to take away something. Mm-hmm. I think literally what Netflix did and Hulu and those companies is they literally asked some people at the company and said, hey, this is your job for this week. Go through and find every episode that we could get in trouble for not taking down and take yeah. it down. Yeah. Um, to add to that, you know, is that image of Chang and the small joke that they made about blackface, is it worse than all of the awful things Pierce says throughout the entire series that are racist? Nope. And obviously Pierce's character is pathetic and you're supposed to laugh at him and not with him, but you would think if if the idea is just that the image will offend people regardless of its intent, just scrap everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's a conversation with no answer, but I felt like we had to address it. The yeah, end. Definitely. On a lighter note, because this is an episode that I think is... It's light. It's great. I love it. I think we're going to have some fun conversations about it. So are you a Halloween guy? Do you get excited about Halloween? Did um, you when you were a kid? No. I was not a big Halloween guy. Interesting. Because I didn't really ever go like real trick-or-treating, but I've always liked scary movies and Halloween movies a lot. Like I'm big into like horror and things like that, even if Halloween itself was never my favorite thing growing up. I love it now that I'm like an adult. <laughs> yeah, I loved Halloween when I was a kid. I still love Halloween. I went trick-or-treating. I was... Okay, so I have an older sibling, but a sibling that's significantly older than me. So I was pretty much an only child, and uh, trick or treating was fun, but never like legendary, like you see it portrayed in like film and TV. It was just yeah. like my parents taking me around for candy. Now, if I if I had to look back, my favorite trick or treating experience, um, because I was a trunk or treat 
kid. I'd go with my mom to that when I did go, usually, right? Now, I was the oldest sibling, so I would take my little brother and sister to do stuff. So they probably really enjoyed Halloween because they had a spirit guide. But one time my mom spent like two plus hours painting my face to look just like Darth Maul from the greatest Star Wars movie, Episode 1. I feel like I've seen photos of this. Maybe. It's a possibility. I'm sure they exist, but it's like it was serious business. And we went to the um, local college and did trick-or-treating in the dorms there, and it was a blast. My go-to halloween costume memories from when i was real young and my family really tried to do like diy halloween costumes that they Mm -hmm. could make with a buck you know so one i was a preemie so for a long time i was very very short very small Mm -hmm. and so one year i was a grocery bag because stop that's amazing like the payless paper bag was enough it was it was big enough to cover my entire torso (laughs) <laughs> and I had like a beanie on that looked like an apple, and then around like my shoulders and stuff at the top of the bag were like different like grocery things. That's pretty stinking adorable. Another year, I was a book. <laughs> <laughs> someone, my mom taught at the high school, and someone like a student. I I was young, so I don't remember. Someone like made me like a, I don't know, like made out of a not cardboard but kind of like a thin wood this thing that i just like put over my entire being that was the shape of a book that's beyond incredible i think i was the cat in the hat comes back (laughs) specifically yeah i remember (laughs) that's so good yeah and that those are way cooler than any of the costumes that i ended up doing when i like actually cared i think those are cool Well, yeah you can't top that yeah yeah (laughs) That's good. Another favorite of mine was uh, when we were in college, uh, I was Drake from the Hotline Bling video, and I remember being very upset because uh, someone spilled, like, a red drink on my shoes. So you made the face. I did. I made the, like, the displeased Drake face. But then I remembered, "Uh uh-oh, I'm partying, and then I was the happy Drake Sorry to steer the conversation in this direction. I feel like Drake is one of those people that I don't get why people like anymore. Ah, you see, here's here's the magic of Aubrey Drake Graham. He could rival Anna Sophia Robb with his ability to surf a wave. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he he does you know whatever is kind of popping. He <laughs> not not anything about his music, just about him. Oh, he seems oh like yeah, the I don't type know. of person that is due for a cancelling. Um, well, they've tried. He has kind of that weird friendship with Millie Bobby Brown. And others. And others, yeah. And Anyway, I, like... I don't want to steer it into this. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Shout out Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah, Drake, we love you. Come on the show. Come on, buddy. I'm yeah, sorry. We'll talk about Degrassi. We have an email from the legendary communities themselves. Uh, oh, wow. Matt specifically emailed us to say, can you rank or pick your favorite costumes from this episode? Okay. I ranked the study group, and then I have four other honorable mentions that were awesome. non-study group costumes. I ranked the study group from best to worst, and I have one honorable mention. So let's go ahead and tell me your honorable mentions. Okay. Um... If I were to rank, like, some four other costumes that I noticed of characters that at least have names, easily favorite other costume would be Chang for me. 
Yeah, he but looked good. I also, yeah, I mean, uh, I liked that quite a bit. That was my favorite other costume, I'll say. I also didn't hate the Robin Hood costume, and I appreciate the Dean. And then Starburns, of course, had a costume. But it was, I could see Starburns just wearing that regularly if he really Yeah, felt it's like hard it, to so. tell what isn't just already yeah. in his closet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my honorable mention went to the very first image of the entire episode. Oh, Mr. Is, ketchup Bottle. Yeah, there's a student walking around the ketchup bottle. Yep. That's so good. I like that. I also appreciated that he was, like, the only person in costume during the day. Yeah. That's real committing. I remember that's people doing that in college, right I feel like. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's rank them, and let's give, like, our spots at the same time. Like, go back and forth. Okay. Okay. So, who did you put in last? Uh, that would be Shirley as Harry Potter slash Urkel, because... You can't have a Harry Potter costume without some sort of lightning bolt on your forehead. Then you're just wearing glasses. Well, to counter that, I think the joke had to be that the costume had to be at least a little vague so the Urkel confusion could take place. I'm sure Shirley is the type of person who dressed up like Harry Potter because Harry Popper... popper harry potter's popular and her kids like it so maybe she took them to see one of the movies i don't think she actually knows anything about it no she was like oh he has glasses yes. it's a college it's like, party oh i have that sweater <laughs> that's exactly what happened but shirley comes in at number seven for me what about okay, you so for me i didn't go with that uh it's jeff as a cowboy yeah jeff jeff almost got there for me but it does give away that Jeff owned that hat without planning for a costume. And that's oh, something absolutely. to be made fun of. He seems the type of person to be above that type of thing. But apparently not. Yeah, even worse than the hat for me is the belt and the shoes. Because yeah, right. <laughs> there's no excuse Next. for the shoes. Next. Okay, number six for me was Jeff with nothing and then the right. cowboy outfit that he already right. had. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? Other than Jeff, I at least got a kick out of every other costume. Mm-hmm. So there's a pretty big gap between last and the rest of them. So that being said, sixth place is Skeleton Annie. Okay, I can't can't dispute that. Mainly for the reason that I've always hated the joke where Britta's like, oh, I hate the Halloween's just an excuse for girls to dress up like sluts. And mm-hmm. then that skeleton costume is supposed to be Annie like being slutty, but it's so like not. No, it's not. It literally covers her entire person. Yeah, it's like sort. It's like, it's like sort of form fitting, and it like looks nice on her, but, but it I, isn't at all like a sexually suggestive costume. No, it's not even like a material that's like super like tight and stretched or anything like that. Like it's mm-hmm. it's just on mm-hmm. her. Yeah. So maybe I'm being a little unfair to the actual costume. It mainly isn't second to last because of that joke. And I don't know. I think I like all the other ones a little bit better. What's your next mm-hmm. one? My number five um, is actually Annie in the skeleton costume. Okay. Yeah. I was starting to think maybe you would have gone the complete opposite direction and... <laughs> Put Annie at the top? Like Allison Brie. You're like, oh, she was wearing a costume? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so for my number five, I did Shirley as Harry Potter. Uh, just because the Urkel-Harry Potter joke is pretty funny and really random and specific. It True. It was truly all those things. Who's your number four? For my number four, I have Troy as Eddie Murphy. Okay. Mainly okay. because I think it's a great costume, and Troy slash Donald Glover really pulls it off. 
but these top ones are mostly due to like screen time or like okay. what they do with the costume yeah. within the episode. I get because they don't. E- can... Sorry to interrupt. They don't even mention that he's Eddie Murphy or really talk about it at all. They really don't, and they all. should. They yeah. should have. And yeah. it kind of seems like you know they're still figuring out Troy, and it mm-hmm. seems like an easy grab for what he might dress up as. Totally. I, I agree, because that's like, oh, I'm going to be a cool guy, and the coolest guy Nothing's cooler was than Eddie, Eddie Murphy, Murphy when Raw came Delirious. out. Yeah. Was it Raw or Delirious? I thought that one was Raw. I don't know. But I, it could be wrong. I don't know. He wore a similar suit for both, so I don't remember. It okay, might have been Delirious. Turn. Okay. Uh, number four for me was Britta in the squirrel costume. Now, okay. I do not want to take away from the fact that a lot of commitment was required with that costume, and it yeah. had a pretty sizable prop. And I'm yeah. not going to take that away from her. And you got to add in what yeah. Britta had to do throughout the episode. You know, her storyline involved climbing through windows and stuff. That's true. She was she was going through a lot in that yeah. costume. Yeah. So that was your number four. My number three is Britta as a squirrel. I think the main reason that she's top three is because they asked Gillian Jacobs. I don't know if it's Gillian or Jillian. I'm so sorry. Gillian, Who Jill, knows? Jill, I hear Jill. both. I think it, it's Gillian. Please, please come on the show and tell us. Uh, <laughs> I want nothing more. Uh, I put her number three for the reason mainly being that they asked Gillian who she thought Britta would dress up as, and she said a squirrel. (laughs) That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, my number three is going to be Pierce Hawthorne in his Beastmaster (laughs) costume, which I absolutely loved. I, I think that the fact that he has that hawk on his wrist and then talks to it it makes me thrilled it just was so good i think that so many good jokes were used off of beastmaster yes and the whole ridiculousness of the costume starburns being the only person to actually know what the hell it was i think that it was pretty good pretty great big fan you saying that just made me realize something we were so excited to get into conversation this episode that we totally did not say hi i'm zach hi i'm steven hi i'm zach (laughs) hi i'm steven I was going to say, hi, I'm Zach, and I never actually saw Beastmaster. I just wanted to sound cool. Uh, but we didn't well. even say it. We jumped right into it. Okay, so my number two is, we're kind of trading off now, is Pierce uh-huh. Hawthorne as the Beastmaster. My favorite right. thing about his costume is that the muscles, it's like all abs. <laughs> There's no pectoral muscles. The abs start under the chin, and there's, like, eight big ones. <laughs> so once I figured that out, I was like, wow, that's genius. Pierce probably oh made that God. himself, and it's how he wished he looked. Okay. Now, controversy here, Zach. No, no, all love. My number two would be Abed as Batman. I thought that was the direction this was going. I'm with uh-huh. you. Yeah, yeah, and I loved it. I think that Abed's Batman was so great for so many reasons, you know, and we'll get into, you know, the specifics of the episode later on, but he, you know, truly was the hero that they needed, even if they didn't deserve him. You're right. So that being said, I want to go, don't hold us in suspense. Tell us why Troy is your favorite. Okay, so Troy was my number one for two reasons. Number one... His his vanity in that costume was so spot on for Eddie yeah. Murphy that it was so great. Even I didn't if it even was think not of it in that way, directly, yeah. right? But also the mustache 
was also great because it was just exactly what it needed to be. I thought that it fit perfectly and it was such a cool reference and I kind of almost liked that they didn't say it because like there were probably plenty of people who had no idea what that is, you know, if they You're don't right. know anything, then they're like, "Oh, who's Troy? Is he Michael Jackson?" You know. That's but, what I think I thought at a time. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I'm sure the first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh, Michael Jackson." And my mom was like, "Mm-mm." <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I was going to say it to you talking about his uh, confidence in the outfit kind of being an Eddie Murphy thing. Mm-hmm. That's probably not reflective of the writers knowing how to write someone in an Eddie Murphy costume. That's probably Donald's improv shining through. That I would absolutely believe it. He's dressed up like Eddie Murphy, so he's going to act like it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my number one is Abed, and I think a couple of these could have been number one. Troy was my number four. It's not like he was at the bottom of the list. I didn't I think the top his four are the top four. Like, like yeah. you said, you know. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Uh, I think Abed, there's nothing that special about his particular Batman costume, and I kind of like that it was like a homemade one instead of a, like, abs, like, movie yeah. quality Super Batman nice costume. Most of it, him being first is purely based on how he was Batman. He was All Batman. All these other people were in a costume, but Abed was Batman. That's true. That's a great point. Abed truly was Batman. Yeah. So let's not waste any time. We've got another uh we've got another segment to do. We do. It's time for trivia. Oh, I thought I thought it was the pillow fight segment. That's later. That's for the okay. video portion. That's for the that's for the Patreons. Yeah. <laughs> Sign up for you can't just dis- uh, you it's can't not disappoint real. a podcast on OnlyFans. Don't actually say it because we might end up doing it. <laughs> <laughs> How many questions do you have? Three. Okay, so do I. Okay. Uh, why don't you start? Okay. Uh, what is Annie putting Jeff down for to bring to the party? Oh, shoot. I kind of wanted to stump you with one of them, so that was my stump. Oh, shoot. He finally agrees to go. Yeah. And she's, she's, and she's, she's like, I'll put you cry. down for absolutely, definitely being there, right? Or something like that? She, like, was fake crying, and then she stopped. She's like, okay, I'll put you down for... Oh. And then said two items, like stuff for her, for her to buy for the party. Okay. And... um. <laughs> I'll be impressed if you come up with the other one, truly. Was it... It wasn't paper plates. That's really close. She said a bag of ice and two sleeves of paper cups. Paper cups. Ah! That was a total just curveball of a question. No, that was a good one, though. That was a great try. Mm Mm-hmm. Your turn. Okay, my first one. Where does Pierce's mother think his girlfriend is from? Canada. Nice, correct. Okay, so Chang has the body of a fifth grader, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a true or false question. That's just the setup. Uh, if he had the body of Jeff, what would his life look like according to him? Well, she'd be at the Comfort Inn right now giving him a Mexican Halloween. That was actually there one of mine, <laughs> too. That was one of your trivia questions? It was. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, that's a great one. Such a great line. What are the hours of Annie's party? Uh, the only detail I remember, well, maybe not, because I know it's until upside down, question mark, mm-hmm. but was it from six? Seven. Okay. That was just yeah. a guess. From seven to upside down, Spanish question mark. My last question. How much mm-hmm. does Jeff pay Chang to help him get to Slater? Is it $20? Yep. 
Nice. Got it. That was a pretty quick and easy round of trivia. Yeah, it was. Hey, I have an idea for something okay. that we can make this better. I'd like to challenge people to stump us on trivia. Oh, that would uh, be great. Send us in trivia questions without the answer. You can email them to us at can'tdisappointpodcast at gmail.com. You can message our page on Facebook. You can send it to us on Twitter or comment yeah, tweet on one of us. our posts on Instagram. Totally. If you send it in, we'll try to answer it on the air, and you'll know when you listen to it if we were smart and got it right or stupid, and you're better than us. Absolutely, and if we get it wrong, you get to make fun of us, tell everyone we're posers, that we don't right. even really watch the show. And then they'll make fun of you for listening to this podcast. Exactly. Dan Harmon, plot circle. Boom. Story circle. The episode opens right up with a really nicely decorated little one shot of Greendale. We're already to the point in the show when it seems like they never leave indoors. Indoors. So it seems like they just had this one establishing shot of the outdoor area, and they were like, quick, Halloween it really quick. It's September. <laughs> Literally. Just like, like hey, this you. podcast. We're like, quick, Halloween it real quick. It's July. Whoa. Favorite Halloween horror movie, go. Oh, my God. Um... Okay, Halloween horror movie? Okay, yeah, I'm going to oh, actually... like, just the one you want to watch on Halloween. Hereditary. It's Halloween night. What? Hereditary? Hereditary. I didn't like that movie. Uh, mine would probably have to be uh, The Exorcist. Ooh, okay. It's Halloween night. You're underneath your blanket. You're eating your candy. Pop on The Exorcist on VHS. I actually am going to change mine because I don't ever want to watch Hereditary again. I think it was... Now, for me, it is my top three scary movies of all time, in my opinion, but that's just me. I... Uh, I'm going to switch it to the original Nightmare on Elm Street because if I'm just casually watching something one. on Halloween, I'd go with that one. Every Halloween, I try Depp. to watch Rocky Horror Picture Show, which fits in for Halloween but isn't exactly a horror movie. So um, would you know I still haven't actually seen the whole thing? And you should, but you should go to one of the things. Before I, was in I it. see it? You could have come. I know. Uh, just because, well, maybe you should watch the movie, but you should watch it like with a couple friends like in the right mood. It's a lot okay. of fun. I was a part of a, a routine to the Time Warp once. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they've got Greendale decorated really nicely. Uh, we've got Mr. Ketchup Bottle just proudly wearing it over his jeans. I love that. <laughs> he really committed. We pretty much get right into it with Chang describing, I love the way he says all of the stuff, that Greendale will give extra credit if you have an event like a holiday event or an event that's related to your class. And he's like, and no one has ever done it until now. So <laughs> His of course it was Annie. for Annie is so good. During what and... would otherwise be known as our free time. <laughs> <laughs> I also really liked Chang's shirt here. I don't know why, but I was a very big fan of the, the shirt he had going on. And the whole time while Chang's complaining about what's going to have to happen, Annie, like, cannot contain her excitement she's just beaming ready to be like oh my god guys uh and everyone in the class is just kind of what's gonna happen (laughs) and she's really excited and she uses her hands to talk and is like tonight in the library i'm having the dia de los muertos or day of the dead party and chang's like come on calm down don't get too excited puts puts her hands down the man who says hands or 90 percent of spanish at least. She brings up right away how, uh, you know, Dia de los Muertos, or Mexican Halloween, which is what I'm sure a lot of people know the holiday as, and is yeah. a 
definite oversimplification of what it actually is. Oh, yeah, super duper. So when Chang retorts with, like, which is quite offensive to people, you're like, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> but when he's like, to the people who know Mexican Halloween is a sexual position. <laughs> then we get a classic Troy acting like he knows about sex. <laughs> Very confident yeah. head nod. Abed looks back at him like, Troy, is that real? And he's like, oh, yeah, tons of times. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any... Do you have any guesses of what that might be? I don't think any that I can say on this podcast. It involves an ofrenda, a, a lit candle, and a, an acoustic guitar. Ofrenda? Is that a anime thing? No, an ofrenda is actually the display <laughs> that um, for the De los Muertos, you would put the pictures of loved ones who have passed away that you want to be able to pass, travel over from the spirit world to visit. I was going to say it definitely involves a mask and candy as a reward if things go well oh no (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you i'll be here all week um uh so yeah uh chang says you know if you if you if you show up you'll get extra credit except for me who won't be paid (laughs) it doesn't even get paid I can just hear the dean being like, oh, that's a great idea, but no, we can't overtime. <laughs> that was so good. That's probably exactly what the dean said to him. <laughs> <laughs> and then he makes everyone say, like, t- uh, tonight or whatever in Spanish, and then he's using the hands like crazy, even though he just told <laughs> Espanol, him. Espanol. Esta noche. The only person who's really excited or, well, appears really excited is Shirley who immediately talks about being so ready for her first college party and to drink tequila and watch Van Wilder 2. <laughs> I just want to rip this bandit off real quick. What a surprise, fantastic Shirley episode this is. Listen, you are not wrong in the slightest. This is one of my favorite things they do with Shirley, and they very easily could have messed it up, and they didn't. I kind of forgot. Like I, I don't know. I don't think of. I think of this episode as a really fun, positive romp. But hidden uh-huh. inside it is a really amazing Shirley story. And Yvette Nicole Brown does great work throughout. Probably some of the best that she did in the entire series. I think. I think so too. There's there's one scene in particular that we're going to talk about yes. later on. We'll get to it when it gets deeper. Right now yeah. it's super light, but immediately they're setting it up because she flaunts her hand now that she's single, and Britta notices that she's not wearing her wedding ring. <laughs> And as soon as she says that, Pierce's head just perks up. <laughs> you know, message received. Message received. <laughs> Classic Annie, really pushy for people to make sure, hey, you're coming to my party, right? RSVP, you're going to be there, right? And the only people she hasn't heard from are Jeff and Pierce. And we get a really funny bit with Pierce, again, trying to figure out his phone. It's like, <laughs> I thought I shot you email. a response. <laughs> <laughs> oh my also, God. to already talk about character work, they've done such good work with Annie over the yeah. last couple of episodes that now that she's putting this together and this is like her Annie plotline, you're like, oh yeah, that's totally what Annie would do already. When the first couple episodes, she was kind of a baseline character. They've done really great work the last couple weeks. Yeah, and I almost think that that might be part of the reason maybe why the network moved some stuff around because they wanted like a couple straight episodes of building Annie, you know, because we started with Abed. Maybe they kind of went with who they thought was like the... I don't know whether it was the most or the least marketable or, or well-known, you know, and tried to w- bump them up first. Or I would hope to think that it's that thoughtful on the network's point of view, but <laughs> I don't know. I, we don't know. I mean, even the people who were 
making the show probably don't know in some cases why certain episodes were aired over certain times. Yeah, that's, this one, I, that's still I know so weird to me. A lot of times in sitcoms, like obviously this was a Halloween episode, so they'd aired around Halloween. So they kind of tend to make their holiday episodes. I don't know. They just like they know they're doing a Halloween show that year, so mm-hmm. they make an episode to be aired at Halloween that can kind of make sense at any point in the season, like storyline. It'll work wherever. Yeah, and this one is kind of like that, but it's a great standalone episode. I think so for sure. I think even you know we've talked before about you know what episodes of Community to show someone first. I think this isn't a bad one because it kind of gives you a little bit of a lot of different characters and it you know is exciting. I've said before in certain moments in the first couple episodes like you know those were small moments that showed me what type of show community could be and like oh this show is going to be something special this was upon watching it for the first time the episode of community that i was like oh this is going to be one of the greatest sitcoms of all time yeah so funny so funny so jeff is being snarky as usual and britta's like come on come to the party it's really important to annie and jeff makes a snide comment about it would affect my enjoy. I don't know. He has Something a conflict like like, of interest. Yeah. <laughs> the funny bit is, you know, Pierce not being able to figure out his phone and saying, like, it's like I'm my mother. It's like calling mother. <laughs> and uh, the thought is, of course, like, Pierce's mom is still alive? That that was all I could think. It's like, there's no way Pierce's mom is alive. And <laughs> well, Obviously, knowing the show, there are plot lines with Pierce's parents in the future. Mm-hmm. But watching this the first time, I was like, Pierce is a thousand. Yeah. How old is his mom? Pierce, are you making friends? There's this really awkward uh, exchange between Jeff and Britta right here where, I don't know, Jeff's like, it leads to something that makes sense, but the way he addresses it, he's like, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but are you sure you don't see anything non-platonic ever crystallizing between us? I'm sure. Okay, good, because one of my professors is really hot and I wanted to give you first right of refusal. Hello, Pierce! Mom? Jeff is hot for teacher. Hey. Spicy. Have don't you ever see. been, have you ever had a crush on a teacher? Yes. <laughs> like, a, like a full-fledged teacher or like a student teacher or like an yes. assistant? <laughs> <laughs> All of the above. Todos. What about Should you, we leave it at that? Um, you know, I feel like I the majority of my teachers were old. Yeah. Um, maybe some student, maybe some student teachers for sure. I feel like I don't know that I ever had a crush on a teacher that was necessarily my teacher. But <laughs> they're like, definitely... oh, I want to take that class. Yeah. To someone yeah. else's teacher. Ooh. Spooky. Ooh, the ghost <laughs> of teachers past. Uh, and we hear Pierce's, that's when Pierce's mom over the phone is like, are you popular? How about your Canadian girlfriend? Pierce is like, oh, I'm going through a tunnel. <laughs> but of course, since Pierce doesn't know how to actually use his phone, he does not successfully hang up. Right. Wrong number, he says. <laughs> Has that boy Jeff stopped teasing you? <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's in his suitcase still on, and he like bangs his suitcase on the <laughs> desk or something a couple of times to try to get it to stop. There's a line here that I have to call out because it's a continuity error. Uh, Pierce's mom over the phone says, I saw your father's ghost again. He's still angry. Yeah. But we see later that Pierce's father is still alive. Very much so. So do you think that this was just, you know... Them writing I don't think they thought they were ever going to do something, yeah. Yeah. And when they did it in the future, I'm sure one of the writers was like, 
but we said that in season one episode and they were like who cares <laughs> they were literally it. like who cares who cares let's people just do don't it. care enough about this show to notice that this is a hot uh, potentially a hot take that i'll leave for when we get to these episodes long in the future but i think i would have been fine if they would have left pierce's dad a ghost yeah this episode right after that cut uh, is one of the only episodes so far that's used the full theme song which made me really happy because yeah me too especially like, oh, in the first season the of a thing. show i like to yeah. hear it and this theme song just every time i hear it and sometimes i listen to the full song on spotify just because it makes me feel warm inside just it's every song. time it's enjoyable even though the lyrics are totally suicidal yeah uh, so after the theme song, we see Professor Slater for the first time. Yeah, I, I, she's fine. Yeah, she's fine in this episode. They don't shade her in too much, but there are a couple of places where she could have been an annoying character, and she wasn't. Agreed. They made her likable enough for this episode. She's definitely a trope, but a slightly smarter than average version of like the main character's girlfriend that you know isn't the endgame. That you totally. know he's just going to date for a while. Think of all the people like Ted dated on How I Met Your Mother. Oof, a lot of... Do you remember any of them? Maybe not like a lot one. of winners. Yeah, exactly. And they don't do that with Jeff a lot. He only dates a couple people throughout the show. Yeah, which um, I like because this show isn't yeah. about that. Jeff comes up to Sweet Talker after class and he's a little smooth. I like the first line quite a bit. He's, he's flirty and it comes off nice. It's light but flirty. And even when he says, like... Are you being sarcastic or am I nailing it? You were nailing it until you had to ask. Oh, damn it. Even that's, like, a little flirty. Totally. I totally buy it. And she walks away. I don't have a lot to say about romantic couplings, but there's, like, instance, instantly some chemistry between the two of them. Totally. At least you know that she's, you know, attracted to him. I like the line where she's, like you know what, I would be interested in you because I'm attracted to you and I've graded enough of your test to know that I'll never feel mentally inadequate compared to you. Yeah. <laughs> to which Jeff says, thank you. <laughs> but she doesn't date students. The classic trope, of course she doesn't. And this is a finer line because usually in college, you know, it's like a in college movies and TV shows, it's a young student and a slightly too old professor. Yeah. But this is like it's... They're totally an acceptable age to date each other. Well, but and Jeff's there is this older. Weird, yeah, but there is still this weird, like, teacher-student line. That Absolutely. Even if, I don't know, it's a little weird. Yeah, and I feel like I appreciate that she's trying to stand on her morals, but I think it's a little bit different when it's at a college level, especially in adult education type of mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. But, you know, yeah. go off, sis. Yeah, Leonard... Leonard's been rocking for a while. He can get with somebody if he wants. Oh, yeah. Probably has. <laughs> <laughs> the stories, I bet. <laughs> Slater walks out of the classroom, and Jeff follows behind her and is saying, you know, if you agree to go out with me, and as he's saying something like that, Britta and Shirley walk by, and Britta kind of makes like a, hmm, not like a sad face, but like a, hmm, interesting kind of face. And it's a little bit awkward because, you know, he walks by the girl he had a crush on, trying to ask out another girl. Yeah. And there's like the how small is this campus line. <laughs> and this goes into something that you're right could have easily been bad, but they're still setting up the patchwork of what is of what a thoughtful Shirley storyline they're doing underneath all this. Yeah. To where Jeff leaves and Shirley's like bastard. And is like instantly hating Jeff for being like the man who dropped the woman that he 
air quotes, loved, and all of this, and being really upset on Britta's behalf. When Britta, like, maybe cares a little bit, but definitely has never vocalized or shown that she cares. No, and she even specifically said, you know, like, oh, it's fine, you know, it's, it's whatever. You know, she doesn't feel that way about Jeff necessarily. You right. know, I'm sure she has, like, a little crush on him, but... Um, at least to this point, she hasn't really shown a whole lot of interest in anything more than just being friends. But Shirley yeah. is very quick to villainize him and mm-hmm. be like, oh, we got to get this asshole because he's, Honestly, you know, Honestly, Jeff around. saying anything to Britta at all, even if it was a little snarky, he kind of, like, said to her, hey, I'm interested in you. Is there any chance of something happening? If there is, I won't go after this other person. If there isn't, I will. And she was like, no. I think he said more than he had to to her. It Truly. And I think that it was one of the less douchey Jeff moments in the show so far for sure but I think in the episode I mean he still kind of said it like the way he says stuff but yeah the he was being sort of thoughtful mm-hmm. in this conversation with Shirley and Britta one of my favorite lines in the entire episode is Shirley's like really mad on Britta's behalf and says did you ever see that Catherine Heigl movie poster where Gerard Butler had that heart over his wiener that resonated with me that resonated with me because I remember that poster I remember that movie the ugly truth that's what it's called. I never watched it, but uh, I know what it's you. called. I worked at a video rental store, so we had like a thousand copies of it that nobody rented. Yeah, not a, not a good movie. Britta says, okay, it's fine that you're upset about like that men are like that and that that movie poster has you triggered for some reason. But <laughs> Britta's like, again, I really don't care what Jeff does, even though I think she kind of does a little. Oh, yeah. I think she... She cares a little bit. We cut now to Jeff still following Slater and trying to explain, like, how old he is and that he saw Ghostbusters in the theater. (laughs) I don't know. Slater turns around and gives the whole, like, you know what? What you're doing is kind of working, but I have a rule and I'm going to stick to it. So, like, leave me alone. Jeff keeps pressing, says, like, have a cup of coffee with me. Uh, Give me the chance. And Slater says, oh, I know you'll change my mind, but that's why you're not getting the chance. Do you think (laughs) Jeff is pushing too far? Or do you think Slater is indicating enough with her flirty looks that he should keep trying? Because she says no like three times. Yeah, I think it's tough because if this were not a TV show, he absolutely would be t- pushing yeah. too far and it'd be totally And the only reason they end up having a connection is because he like follows her to a party later on. Yeah. And that's and that's the issue with TV shows. As TV shows, you know, you want the main character to keep trying because if she said yes right away, there's no conflict there's nothing to resolve for the show's sake you know at the same time when someone says no many many times like that they they probably mean it i feel like part of this is indicative of the male writers staffs on a lot of these shows kind of writing wish fulfillment in some ways oh totally because they all probably had a teacher that they were hot for that they wish would have been like oh you know this being said we have gone on for a while now already but we totally rushed into the episode i didn't say that we're talking about introduction to statistics that is directed by <laughs> Justin Lin, who isn't... This is the first time an episode has been directed by one of the Russo brothers. Wow. And it's directed by Justin Lin, who is another person who has gone on to be a huge success blockbuster director. He's directed five Fast and the Furious movies, and he's slated to direct, like, two more. That's why I know the name. And he directed the uh, Star Trek Beyond, the sequel to J.J. Abrams' Star Trek film. Nice. And he directed several more episodes of this show this season, 
Um, he did interpretive dance, and he directed Modern Warfare, the first paintball episode. Oh, wow. So he was kind of the guy that they called in when they were doing, like, action stuff. Yeah, I, uh, having seen all of the Fast and Furious movies and spinoffs now, uh, fan of his... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was written by John Pollock and Tim Hobart, who previously wrote Introduction to Film that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And they wrote a couple more episodes over the first two seasons together and individually. And it originally aired October 29th, 2009. There, I said it. It would bother me if I didn't say it, so I had to say it. No, gotta let it, let it all out. Hey, we're just going with the flow. Just loosey-goosey. Yeah, you know, we're real chill. We're, we're calm. You know, we're, we're <laughs> ebbing. We're flowing. Uh, yin and yang. Yeah. I like that after Slater's, like, you're not getting the chance and walks away, like, Leonard pops from under a newspaper and is like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I also liked that. And that Richard Erdman came to set just to do that. Literally just to do that one thing. Leonard is a legend. Annie asks Jeff if he's coming to the party. Um, this is when, you know, she starts to really push the, how important it is that he shows up and that he stays from seven to upside down question mark. And Jeff keeps saying, like, I don't know, it's not really my thing. I might show up. I might not. And Annie's like, no, you're showing up. I'm being assertive. I'm making eye contact. And it's achieving results. <laughs> and they have that, uh, you know, like... This worked on peers. Infomercials work on peers. Which I, which as we've seen, is true. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do you think he bought the earnoculars? Yeah. Annie, it's really important to her that the cool guy shows up to her party because when she was in high school, uh, that wasn't her experience. I'm sure she threw parties and the cool people or people in general seemed like they didn't show up. Yeah, Annie had a, a, a tough, tough go of it in high school for sure. And, yeah. you know, this is kind of... She's taking, you know, this college experience as a chance to kind of do it over. Yeah. Uh, we've seen that with kind of how she has handled her relationship with Troy and trying to be more active and kind of the persona she's created for herself. So this is a big opportunity for her to right. change things. Uh, she starts crying while she's talking about it. And I think one of my favorite Jeff lines in this episode is how he says, This won't work. <laughs> the last time you did this, I saved a vial of your tears and have been slowly building up an immunity. But of course it works because... You can just see that Annie, like, needs this. Totally. And how can you say no to her? As soon as Jeff agrees to go, she drops that facade, which was probably real, but she knows that she can use that against Jeff, and it works. That's when, you know, she puts him down for a bag of ice and two things of paper cups. (laughs) Yeah, Jeff is not very, uh, he doesn't have the best track record of telling Annie no. Well, can you blame him? No. We cut to one of the funniest, absolutely probably the funniest runner in this whole episode. Uh, Pierce and Troy are sitting outside at a table, and Pierce is really nonchalantly trying to cover up the fact that he's taking a pill. Of course, like, just as soon as he swallows it and thinks he got away with it, Abed's like, was that a pill? He's just taking his medicine. Literally nobody would bother him about that, except that he's being weird about it, and it's Abed, you know? Chevy does a great job in this episode, I think. I think so, too. His reaction when Abed's like, is that a pill? He's like, yeah, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, Abed's like, my grandpa took that around your age. Pierce is like, fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, I like how he's kind of like annoyed with it because he was trying to be secretive and he's, you know, upset that he is trying to fight old age. But he does a really good job of, of showing that, you know, he's clearly not trying to be rude to Abed. He, like the issue he has with himself. 
not with the fact right. that Abed's pointing it out. And I think that's conveyed, which is cool. Well, that's kind of Pierce's runner, this whole story, is that in Pierce's mind and maybe Chevy Chase's mind, <laughs> he's he's Jeff Winger, but he's not Jeff Winger. He could have been 35 years ago, and now he's an old man that doesn't have any family or friends. It's it's, it's tough out here for old Piercy. He, uh... <laughs> yeah, but he absolutely brings it on himself. Like, there are times where you can feel sorry for Pierce because, I don't know, he's been dealt some stuff in life, but it's not like he's the most approachable person to begin with. No, and I mean, Pierce had created that Jeff persona for himself for so long. Without ever being that. No, that now that he's, like, trying to reclaim it, he has no idea how to do it, and it's, it's yeah. like you say, it's, it's, it's absolutely on him. <laughs> So now we cut to the study room, which they did a really great job uh, turning it into a Dia de los Muertos. I can't. I'm sorry. I don't know how to speak Spanish, so feel free to laugh at how awful I'm saying this. I, I know. I'm aware. Are you they using your study- hands? Oh, yeah. Well, that's 90% of it, at least. <laughs> Hasta luego. Hasta luego. They did a great job fixing up the study room for the party. Good job to the set designers. Yeah, they. I think this is, and I could be totally wrong here, but at least in my mind, the first time that we really transformed the study room, and they did a great job yeah. using the space and kind of. I mean, it looks like it looks like what I would expect a community college Spanish party in a study room to look like. Yeah, they definitely said in the commentaries that this was the first episode that because it was a holiday episode, they could kind of play around with the rules for the first time without like deciding what the rules were exactly yet Mm -hmm. so this episode they were kind of allowed to take a few creative liberties with their show to do what they wanted to do for the holiday well and i think that's so good because they have such you know out of the box holiday episodes throughout the show Mm -hmm. this really kind of sets the tone so i'm glad that this went well because i feel like if this had bombed or not been received well they would not have had the episodes that they had later on and they say in the commentary that an episode like this helped pave the way for an episode like the paintball episode, you know, that they could do stuff like that because they did something like this. And imagine community without the paintball episodes. You can't. That's nope. it's synonymous with the show. Totally. At the party, the first thing we get, you know, Britta shows up, she's a squirrel, Annie compliments her costume, and Britta's like, yeah, it's that joke I kind of complain about, but Britta mm-hmm. is, I'm sure she dressed up like a squirrel because she's like, cool, I just don't want to be a woman who's like sexualized wearing like a slutty costume. And I totally disagree that Annie's costume is slutty and they don't say that, but that's totally what Britta's reaction implies or what like the joke that's set up implies. I realized we, we missed uh, one of my favorite jokes. Pantsless Grandpa? Pantsless Grandpa. Pantsless Grandpa. Well, I'm sorry. Enough that said. Was a good no, that's, that's all. That's all. Ooh, yeah. Pantsless Grandpa. Yeah, we gave it its due. Mm-hmm. Annie's tombstones with names on them are adorable. They really are. Another set design thing that they did a great job with. I believe that Annie like spent a couple days making them perfect. <laughs> Writing down the names of everyone in the mm-hmm. class that she hasn't mm-hmm. probably talked to any of them who are not, you know. Chang is really great in this episode. I love how he was in the class in the beginning, so reluctant about it, and now that he's there. He's holding a beer, and Annie's, like, so excited, and they just cut to him in his, like, costume that's pretty elaborate that he spent some time on, just, like, rolling his eyes. I like how every time she says anything in Spanish, he just, his You disdain, don't have to keep doing that. <laughs> he's just so over it. The first eye roll was so good. <laughs> yeah. Ken Jong is really funny playing that annoyed, like, better than this side of Chang. Totally. Even to the point where this is a little bit weird, Chang and Jeff 
team up in this episode, kind of. Because Chang isn't really the Chang that we know yet, and in the future, that would never happen. No, not at all. But I think to this point so far, the only person Chang really dislikes is Annie, so... And Britta, because Britta cheated. Oh yeah, Britta did cheat. Jeff shows up to the party, and Britta comes up in the squirrel outfit, and, uh, you know, thanks him for coming, because it's important to Annie, even though it means that he didn't get to get with his hot teacher, which Chang overhears and drops the information that she's not grading papers like Slater said she was, that she's at like a staff Halloween party that Chang's missing to be at Annie's extra credit thing. He says to Chang, oh look, it's the eavesdropping matador. Oh yeah, and, and Chang stands up real defensive. Are you saying my people are sneaky? Yeah, that was really funny because you don't know what Chang is even taking offense to because yeah. he's... An Asian man teaching Spanish, so he really is is taking a lot of crosses that he's bearing right he, now. He's just quick to assume that whatever's being said to him is offensive already. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think Chang, this is honestly probably in my top three Chang episodes so far. Well, out of the seven that we've watched, that would make sense. <laughs> and uh, out of the, like, three that he's been in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think this, 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 is, this is up there. This is when we see Abed as Batman for the first time. I love his homemade costume. And Abed's Batman voice is great. Oh, it's a it's a really good Batman voice. I mean, do you have means... a Batman voice? Can you do it? I do. Okay. Now, and guess what? I my Batman impression is so good, Zach, that I do more than just say, "I'm Batman." I, it's more than that. Okay. Mm-mm. This city. Where's Rachel? Rachel. <laughs> listen, listen to me, Bane. Oh, you think you can take this city over, but this city breathes. This city speaks. This city lives. <sighs> so you can start your impression anytime. Join me, brother. This is going to be extremely painful for you. I'm Morgan Freeman. You nearly adapted to the dark. <laughs> I was born in it. Molded by it. <laughs> Abed comes in with that classic uh, Batman impression, and I love how he's listing snacks. One of the first thing he says in his Batman voice is, Check Spicks. Pretzels, carrots. Predictable, but appetizing. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Broodingly. Because then I feel like Choi. Batman would really care about the snacks that are at a party because he knows he's not going to be there long enough for a main course. And he's not there to like talk to people or be social. He's going to go like pick at the peanut bowl for a few minutes and get out of there. Exactly. I feel like, like Batman's usual party game plan is show up, hold one drink in your hand, eat some food, and then take a woman back to your mansion this is where we see Troy in his costume for the first time and this interaction is so random non sequitur hilarious classic Troy and Abed moment where Troy is like hey hey can I ask you something I always want to ask the real Batman yeah am I good looking you're a very attractive young man I knew it <laughs> there's a really great blooper reel where they just let Donald run with this line it was just like, hey, can I ask you something Something I always wanted to ask the real Batman? And the blooper reel has like 10 examples of like everything he said. Oh my god, I have to look that up because that sounds hilarious. It is hilarious. And the one that they chose I think was the right choice. It's so funny. Very good. Also, I did look it up and it is the delirious, delirious costume, not raw. You were right. So I'm it's exactly there. what I said. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I love that Choi's been thinking for his whole life and his whole childhood. Like if I could ever meet Batman, what would I want to ask him? <laughs> like, and it was if looking? Batman was attracted to him. I get it. I'd be curious. This b- 
bit is just like reveal after reveal of these great costumes because Pierce shows up with his nothing but abs Beastmaster outfit. Let's get this party started. <laughs> oh my god. And then delivers one of my favorite Pierce lines of the episode to Jeff where he asks about his costume. I am the Beastmaster. From the movie Beastmaster. What rock have you been living under? What are you going as, a gay douchebag? Just kidding. Which was so funny because it's like, that would be a joke that like if he made that at Jeff, people would laugh. Like, okay, you know, it's a good joke. But then immediately he's like, wait, I need that Jeff to know that he's my friend. Just kidding, buddy. <laughs> Is that liquor? Is that liquor? <laughs> and then we get, bam, another reveal. Hello. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks, Urkel. <laughs> Which I don't know whether it's funnier that Shirley's entire knowledge of Harry Potter is that he has glasses and that he's British, or that regardless of the British (laughs) accent, Jeff still was like, oh, Urkel. (laughs) And then Chang comes to, like, give him, Chang comes to give Shirley trash. He's like, oh, hey, Urkel. Like, without hearing the conversation that came before. Cut to the bathroom, which has some really nice spooky Halloween lights. You heard it here. We're spooky. We're spookying it up. Spooky. And Starburns comes up to Pierce from a bathroom stall. Uh, Pierce is trying to take his pills without anyone noticing. And this is such a funny uh, comedy of errors mm-hmm. in this episode where Starburns is there with pills to trip during the Halloween party. And Pierce has his, like, you know, like vitamins and heart <laughs> medication that he has to take every day. And, but he wants to come off cool and young, so he's disturbed and he's like, oh, you know, I've got everything that's important. I've got lewds, dreamers, Johnny Boys. <laughs> Johnny Boys is what got me. <laughs> that yeah, or the trying fact to that you he has quaaludes, but... because that's the only recreational drug that Pierce knows, because he hasn't done a recreational drug since the 80s. Well, a couple things from the audio commentary. Chevy Chase was in the commentary for this episode. And when they were talking about his, like, drug trip scene, he was like, what is the drug that I was supposed to be on called? Like, he didn't even, like, know what ecstasy was. Or... <laughs> That's hilarious. He probably thought he was just on some made-up drug, like the rest of them. Right. So Starburns trades Pierce one of his for two of his. <laughs> and Pierce is unsure about it, but Starburns is like, come on, I thought I was working with the Beastmaster. <laughs> Starburns gets the reference for some reason. Yeah. Oh, old Alex. Maybe he watched and, it when he was shaving his sideburns for five hours. And Pierce can't not be involved, so he, uh, against his better judgment, he takes the pills. Peer pressure always works, kids. It you does. heard it here first. Especially on Pierce. If someone Hogwarts. tells you to do something, do it. Especially if it's Chevy Chase. No, no, scratch that. Scratch that. If Chevy <laughs> Chase tells you to do something, you should probably consider it first. Super random detour. Are you familiar with the Shia LaBeouf song? Yeah. Like about him being a cannibal yeah. and like tracking a dude down and killing him. Yeah. Uh, I, I heard that for the first time this week and it's just been constantly running through my head. That's I imagine Chevy Chase asking you to do anything would be a similar situation. I think so. Now, okay, little sidebar here. Opinions okay. on Shia LaBeouf. Do you think he's a good actor? Are you a fan? I haven't really seen enough movies that he's been in as an adult to be able to say that. There's a movie recently that he did that he like wrote and directed where he played a version of his own father mm-hmm. that got a lot of positive attention that I'd like to see. I love the way that he's bought into the like legend that he's become. Yeah, I think it's really funny. He does a lot of really weird public appearance stuff that I think... It's not just that he, he's eccentric, but I think he's more in on the joke than what it might appear. Yeah, I like that he knows he's a meme. Yeah. 
Another thing from the audio commentary, so the guy that plays Starburns is a writer for the show named Dino and a longtime friend of Dan Harmon's. And Dan on the commentary said that Dino texted him during the scene while they were shooting it and was like, how in my life did I end up to a place where I'm one-on-one in an acting scene with Chevy Chase? <laughs> Isn't that so crazy? That's awesome. That's yeah, really cool. Is just like a writer for the show, yeah. That is cool. So now we cut, and Chang's leaving the party. Uh, he gives Jeff his list to write down people that need to give that need to get extra credit for being there. Jeff tries to talk Chang into getting him to the faculty party so he can have a chance with Slater. Mm-hmm. And Chang is not buying it at all. But as soon as Jeff offers twenty bucks, he's like, "Okay, I'll he's go like, get I the, got you. I'll go bring the hog around." <laughs> Which, here's a, a question I have here, and maybe this is okay. a couple seconds too early. It's in the cafeteria. He says that. Do, is it normally that far a trip from the study? Wait, say that again? The, oh, the... The, the faculty party's in the cafeteria, he says. You're right. And I know that, you know, there are different buildings on campuses. I understand that. Oh, I think for the most part of the show, they make it seem like most of the campus is one big building. Right. But that yet, the study room might be a walk to the to the cafeteria, but not a drive. No, and I, 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 I think at this point, the campus, but still, at this point, we're still seeing Greendale as a school that has a football field That's and fair. a pool hall. So I think it, they are trying to make it seem like a little bit of a bigger campus. Mm-hmm. So Jeff leaves the party, and Britta sees him do it, and boo, boo, Jeff. Good thing is, I think this is the best Jeff episode to date so far. Because um, he's going to make up for this later. He does. And I like that the writers don't just make him be nice all of a sudden. He's still Jeff. He's still going to have the same problems and let the people that look up to him and count on him down. But he's softening, and we're going to see that later. He is improving. I'll give him that. Someone who's not softening, uh, (laughs) Pierce watches Jeff (laughs) leave the classroom, and he's just grinding his teeth and I've never done ecstasy, but I certainly know people who have. And for Chevy Chase not knowing what people on drugs are like. Pretty good job. Yeah, it seems like he did. And I would have expected, I don't know, I know a lot of people on Saturday Night Live did cocaine in the 70s. Yeah. It it does surprise me a little bit that that Chevy Chase wouldn't have been in that crew. It doesn't surprise me that he'd pretend not to have done drugs. There we go. That's, That's the ticket. Now that he's old. Uh, so Annie says it's time for the dance, and this is an awkward and embarrassing moment where she gathers everyone, she brings the music down, and she's going to call Jeff to the center of the room, but he's not there. Uh, also, while this is happening, you know, Pierce is starting to freak out, and he goes over to Starburns and is like, Yeah, man, what'd you slip me? I keep grinding my teeth, and I want to kiss everybody. What did you slip me, man? My heart stopped racing, and I can't pee. <laughs> That's a really funny line. That's very funny, because, like, Starburns is probably just having such a bad time on these old man drugs. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he was expecting uppers, and these are definitely downers. Yeah. So, yeah, Annie invites her very special guest to the floor, and Jeff's not there. It's really awkward. It's really sad. It's a little TV cliche. She would have seen that Jeff wasn't there before calling Totally. Him. The smash cut to Jeff hugging Chang on his... 
hog is pretty funny too. Jeff's like crying. He's like, please slow down. <laughs> and they just fly through the parking lot to get to the cafeteria. Uh, Starburns notices that Jeff has left the party and he puts his arm around two different women and says, I gotta get out of here. I got. I don't want to miss the news. Yeah, that Which was, was exactly Annie's nightmare was because at school, you know, people would say they couldn't stay at her party because she they had to go watch the news. Yeah, that's a, an excuse I'm going to start using. I really have, have wasted a lot of time not using that to leave places. Nobody watches the news. Uh, Do they still make the news? I thought that got canceled years ago. (laughs) No, there's reruns. Yeah, definitely lately. It feels like reruns from like the 60s. Right? Annie's all heartbroken because Jeff left. Britta tries to comfort Annie and let her know that Jeff will be back. She's ready to hop on the mad at Jeff idea, so she sides with Shirley to kind of instigate what's going on Mm -hmm. with Jeff and Slater and enables Shirley into what she was starting to get at earlier. Shirley now is immediately mad at Slater for being like the woman that took the man away. So we're just seeing another angle of how Shirley's starting proje- to project what's going on with her onto what's happening to her friends. Yeah, and it's and it's very clear that you know that's almost a theme in this show where <laughs> where some of these people's, you know, inner issues kind the of The issues they make with each other are really just reflections of what's going on outside. Yeah. So, you know, another instance of that, but I think that, you know, Shirley very clearly is heated about this whole thing. You yeah. know, so it, it's they. I think they did a really good job with. I agree. With making it more and more evident that it wasn't about Britta, without like before they actually you know come out and say it's not about Britta. You know, Britta actually has her head screwed on really well in this episode because mm-hmm. um, she immediately goes into like this isn't about Slater, this is about Annie and how it's crappy that Jeff is letting Annie down. It has nothing to do with like that the romance drama. Totally. <laughs> but Shirley is is on a rage mission now. She's like, we should go find that bitch's car and snap off her antenna. <laughs> which which was clearly a, a thought that Shirley has has had before. Had before, <laughs> yeah. And now we cut to Annie. This scene is really great because everything's building once Jeff leaves. Yeah, you know, Pierce is starting to trip hard. Annie's having a meltdown because her party's falling apart. And Shirley's having a meltdown because her life is falling apart and she and Annie are going off to deal with that. It's just all like reaching to a climax kind of. While Annie's freaking out about Jeff being gone, there's this really creepy but true to life thing where Pierce comes up to her and starts massaging her and is like, I could do this all night. I love you. That was so weird. And Annie did a really good job of looking freaked out because remember at this point in the show, Annie's like 18. This one, I don't think it is out of Pierce hitting on an 18-year-old. I think it's Pierce is on ecstasy and you want to hug everybody. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, not great. It doesn't get a pass, but it's definitely not his intention. No. (laughs) I do think this episode, though, is one of the best paced so far in the first season. Oh, absolutely. It's so good. It keeps moving. You don't... There's no point in which you're like, okay, how much is left in the episode? Can we get to the you know yeah next part this is the first episode that shows that they can really do something satisfying with all seven of the main characters in the same episode instead of like really focusing on a couple of them like they're all doing something that's productive to the main idea of the of the thing absolutely even though we still have our little kind of subgroups the groups get interchanged and everyone is a part of everyone else's story and i like that whenever they can do that in this show those are the best episodes i agree now we're in the cafeteria at the faculty party, and Jeff's in his try the least amount as possible cowboy outfit, 
and Slater's like Robin Hood. Yeah. Or like an Oktoberfest almost looking kind of <laughs> outfit. Again, we just have more like will they, won't they banter between the two of them. There are some funny lines about Slater losing her virginity to someone at a rodeo. And Jeff says, You're reminding me of my first time too. You lost your virginity to Robin Hood? No, with an attractive woman at a party. We seem destined to repeat history. Which is, uh,. Another line that probably wouldn't work in real life, but no. as a sitcom joke, it was pretty funny. Yeah, because isn't he like, uh, I think we're, we're destined to repeat history or something like that? That's exactly what he says. And Slater is right to be concerned because she says, well, I know how this works. You know, it happens between us and you go tell all your friends and they tell all of your friends and all of a sudden everybody knows. And that's absolutely how stuff like that goes. Absolutely. Especially with, I mean, you think Jeff is not going to yeah. mention to Britta that he slept with Slater? Right. Well, Jeff says that's not going to happen because I hate everyone here but you. And here comes Britta in her squirrel costume, <laughs> tapping him on the shoulder, literally showing him, no, that's not true. Here are all the people that you don't hate that are here, and we need you right now. Yeah, I thought that this whole exchange with he and Britta is one of my favorite, definitely my favorite Britta moment of the episode. Because yeah, her, really like, standing up for herself. Yeah, and, and she, she, she flames and the for man. Annie. She yeah. puts a great roast session on him. And it was so good. Yeah, she looks at him and goes, yippee-ki-yay. <laughs> uh, just, yeah, just really calls him out for being fake, for wearing a costume, but he wouldn't wear a costume at Annie's party. He, yeah, you're so right that she just calls him out and says, oh, I'm seeing that you own a cowboy outfit. Because <laughs> <laughs> she said, the stores are closed right now. <laughs> this is one of the lines that made me think of Slater a little bit less. She shakes Britta's hand and is like, she introduces herself as Michelle Slater, Ph.D., yeah, intentionally, like, like almost like she was like feeling threatened by Britta up yeah. there talking to Jeff, and she's like, "Well, let me defend my territory." Britta, who's in there with a squirrel outfit and a acorn, <laughs> a giant fake acorn. Britta's <laughs> like Britta Perry, GED. I don't know. Nobody introduces themselves with their college at, no. unless they're like at a job or with. I don't know. It just it, I didn't like it. Yeah, that's really unnecessary to do at a school where you teach like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Slater asks if Britta's her class, uh, Jeff's classmate, and Jeff says, "Well, classmate makes it sound like we take naps together and eat pace together." <laughs> and he gives the point that I said earlier that you know the nice thing about community college is a lot of the students are as mature potentially as the teachers. And as soon as he says mature, Abed pops up pretending to be Batman. <laughs> it's like Jeff. You must return to Annie's party. She's feeling unpopular. And then Choi shows up too, all in a tiff. Like, Jeff, Pierce took something and he is tripping balls. He is touching people and dancing weird. It's like grumpy old man, but not hilarious. <laughs> I love how Troy, like, through the next, through this whole, like, section of the show, is, like, exactly, like, so accurate to how people were at a college party when somebody was, like, you know, took too much of something or was, like... Yeah passed out drunk and was like oh no i need you to help him because we can't call the cops we got to do this and i'm freaking out like that is like exactly to a t how you know how troy would react at a college party that's another line that if you watch the blooper reel there are a ton of alternate versions of it of different things oh, that he said. i'm gonna have to see that then because that sounds really funny jeff's trying to you know prove that he's mature and an adult and better than this but he's way more part of these people than what he is willing to admit if he just let himself have fun with his friends, everybody would be happy. And he probably would still get the girl. But he's got this, like, 
he's just got to prove that he's like better and different and above everybody you know he he tells his friends that they're unseemly and that they should leave i've said before i am not a big jeff fan and this is prime example why because even though he you know always makes up for it at the end somehow he, he says always some is the really one that ruined it yeah hurtful things to his friends yeah well, it's kind of the whole thing, you know, like Pierce thinks he's Jeff, but he's not. And Jeff thinks he's Jeff, but he's Pierce. Right. It's kind of like how Michael Bluth in Arrested Development thinks he's so much better than his family that at times he's worse than all of them because at least they're like genuine. Oh, and yeah. Like unapologetically them. <laughs> yeah. We see the Dean for, I think, the only time we see him this entire episode. Mm-hmm. And his costume is a little bit toned down from the Dean that we know in the future. He's just wearing, like, a masquerade ball, half mask, and a suit. Yeah, I at first I was like, oh, is that, like, an Eyes Wide Shut reference? But I don't think it's the same mask from Eyes Wide Shut. So it's just a just a masquerade mask. Or it's, like, an inadvertent Eyes Wide Shut <laughs> reference because that's just what the Dean's life is like. He just happens to be wearing that. Yep. And he says, why is Urkel ripping the antenna off Professor Slater's car? <laughs> I just like that everyone's immediate go-to is that it's Urkel. Right? Well, I mean, black with glasses. Gotta be. Shirley really obnoxiously says, "Is like, this is what happens when you take Jeff Winger from another woman <laughs> and just totally kills any chance Jeff still had of scoring tonight. Ugh. And then, of course, to make things even worse, high off his eight-pack, <laughs> no-peck ass... <laughs> Pierce Hawthorne stumbles into the room screaming at his hawk. <laughs> Abed! He, and then the next time we see him, he's done screaming and he's like vibing and like, you know, like dancing a little. And I love the way he says, meow. And then he gets in someone's face and like sings it, meow. <laughs> I think it's so funny. Him just, like, traversing into the cafeteria so slowly and without a clear direction was hilarious. And I totally get at this point why Jeff is like, okay, you guys are embarrassing me. Time to leave. But he definitely does it all in the wrong way when he says, like, Britta, I don't care about your high school soap opera. And the one that cuts the worst, Abed, you're not Batman. Yeah, why does he always have to be such a jerk to Abed? And then to Pierce, Mm -hmm. who is, you know having a serious drug hallucination trip right now yeah so you usually want to be gentle with people like that he gets in his face like stares at him and is like you're too old to be tripping and stop doing what you're doing and totally just sends pierce into a spiral yeah because that's what sets him over the edge he calls him an old man and he's like what do you mean old he's like whose hands are these (laughs) and then he runs out of the room and everybody leaves to go take care of their friend unlike Jeff, Abed, you know, it points out that Jeff saying, hey, you're not Batman really was a asshole remark. He says, I know I'm not Batman, but you don't have to be a jerk. Yeah. He's just having fun. Well, and also, like, who is Jeff to kick people out of a party that he literally was not invited to? He wasn't invited to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course Jeff would think, I don't know. Yeah. But I like that Troy, his comment is just, she's pretty hot. (laughs) True Troy fashion. It's like, I get it. So, and then Jeff's left in the middle of this party that, yeah, he wasn't invited to, and he just caused a scene, and now he's trying to go back to flirting with the teacher. And the teacher's like, no, 
No way. Now we cut to Britta walking down the hallway and opening a door and seeing that Shirley is just trashing Professor Slater's office. Uh, she's got a hose that she's gonna like fill her desk drawers with water. <laughs> she's like knocking everything over in the office in in like such a like very clearly like not panicked way, but she in a manic mm-hmm. almost like she's just like moving around all fast, just trying to get it done. But she very clearly is like lost it. This is the scene where Yvette's phenomenal performance and the writer's phenomenal writing like meet together to like reveal this facade that Shirley's been hiding behind this whole time and going from a comedic farce where you're laughing at her trashing this this office to thinking like oh why is she actually doing that Mm -hmm. that's like super harmful Shirley's whole speech in Yvette Nicole Brown's performance of it where she breaks through and says I have a confession to make oh I think some of what I just said may have more to do with my situation. Yeah, the long neck weave having Van Keller didn't feel universal. My ex-husband came by this morning and he uh, he asked for his ring back. It was his mother's and he, want, he wants to give it to his new girlfriend. And Britta is so understanding. This moment kind of made me emotional. Mm. I didn't cry per se, but I felt it. Yeah. I don't know. Yvette's performance here just feels really real. It does feel real. And I think one thing that Shirley has that the other characters don't, and I kind of like this, is she has a different perspective. You know, she's older than most of the other. I know she's about Jeff's age, but she's older than, older acting than most of the other Mm. group, you know? And I think that she oftentimes realizes her own mistakes, Mm -hmm. whereas a lot of times the others kind of have to be shown. She doesn't have to be told. Exactly. She can see it. She kind of realizes, oh, I'm acting this way because of this. I'm acting out because... Yeah. yeah, and her kind of realizing that and owning up and speaking to it and then sharing her actual pain that she's going through mm-hmm. with Britta is just such a, a, yeah, it's a cool thing. And it's something that most of the other characters couldn't have done in that same way. You know, and we're bringing it around full circle to where in the beginning of the episode, you know, she's flaunting her ringless finger and saying she's single. It's because her ex-husband, she just saw for the first time in a while so he could get that ring back. Yeah. So earlier in the day, she's trying to like make herself feel okay with that. And trying to make herself be like, oh, no, this is a good thing. This is what I want. It it wasn't something that was taken from me. It's something. Yeah, exactly. And they do a great job setting it up for this moment to hit as hard as it truly does in an episode that's such a comedic farce. It cuts even deeper that her husband her ex-husband wants to give it to give this ring that was his mother's ring to his new girlfriend. It's really sad. Yeah, I think the line, at least, that I kind of struck me the most is when she, you know, said that it wasn't like she regretted that they weren't together anymore. It's that, you know, she had always kind of imagined him coming, crawling back because he regretted that he, you know, left her and the family, you know. But Mm -hmm. she said, don't get me wrong. The best thing that happened to me was him leaving. I just, I always thought he'd come crawling back and I'd tell him go to hell. (laughs) He couldn't give me that. You know, and just like the pain and kind of genuine in her voice, yeah, yeah. and the that's something you can of that feel. Line was phenomenal because you, you can feel it, yeah. Because every time after a breakup, you want to feel like you know, I'm, I'm the 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 catch here in the group. I'm I'm the one yeah. who I'll be better off, you know, and I'll kind of show them. You're right. You know, we also have felt that hurt of oh they're moving on before me that's a little yeah weird maybe i'm not so great you know and, and there's i think those are very real feelings that a lot of people have felt britta is a really great supportive friend here after having a story last week about her not exactly knowing how to be a supportive female friend to other females mm-hmm. 
um, to where she just listens to Shirley and says, you're right, and that sucks. And, and that's really nice to see from her character as well. I think so. And I think that that was a good growth moment for Britta because yeah. it would have been very Britta-like for her to be like, well, don't you dare let a man get you down just because, you know. Right. But she was Right, she knows that that's not what this is. Yeah. Totally. I also like how this comes back around where she's like, you know, it's not Slater's fault. And I know that you're not really that upset about Jeff being with another woman and they leave. But then we see that Britta is a little upset and is a little petty to go ahead and turn around and snap off that trophy's head. She, you know, she, she got a little a little, little jab in there. She had to... Britta's not going to tell anyone that she feels that way, but it's her moment of being alone and vulnerable, and she... Yeah, I thought yeah, that was a nice a little moment. touch. After that, we cut to <laughs> Pierce just having the worst trip. Pierce, are you okay? Hey, man. What's going on? You have a full-on erection this is showy of justin lynn's director skills the shots that like focus on pierce where it looks like his body isn't really moving but everything else is moving around him yeah do a great job of like showing us where pierce is at <laughs> and his distorted like his like low-pitched growls and some people are just watching and laughing other people are freaking out he sees that he looks at all the cookies and sees like the huge tombstone like for himself <laughs> And he's just he's just full out spiraling. Not to say that I've like been in this situation exactly, but been there. <laughs> Listen, I was gonna say I was like I maybe have not been in the exact same pair of shoes, but you know similar size and model. You know I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know anything about ecstasy as a drug other than like it's like a party drug. Mm -hmm. Do people like hallucinate and I didn't like, trip think. Like this? You tripped like that on ecstasy. I thought it was more that it Compared was... Compared with something like cocaine. Yeah. I think they're, like they're very stimulant. similar. It's like a... I don't know Ooh. much about any of it. Everything I know about drugs is from Breaking Bad. <laughs> Everything I know about drugs is from the episode of Fat Albert, where the guy makes Fat Albert <laughs> his drug delivery guy, and they sing a song that goes... <clears throat> dope is for dopes. Bum, 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 bum. Drugs are for dummies. Bah, 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 bah. If only and Bill Cosby had taken that advice. Because that kind of junk isn't funny. Dope is for dope. Anyway, I really like in Pierce's hallucination when it's like Annie, like, tell me about Woodstock, Pierce, and Sputnik. <laughs> and Sputnik. And there's this shot where she's doing this like skeleton dance with her arms that I really like. That's like a gif that every time I see it, I get really excited because I love it so much. Because it's like such a weird dance, and I'm sure it was awkward filming it. So they're like, okay, stand in front of this green screen and do this skeleton dance. And look like dance. a skeleton. <laughs> and Alison Brie was like, And say okay. Pierce's name over and over again. <laughs> I haven't seen the Pixar film Coco, but I imagine this is You haven't exactly seen Coco? Like. No, I haven't. Zach. Sorry. Listen, I I really want to watch Coco. It's one of the only handful of Pixar films I haven't seen. I and I have seen just about all of them. I I can think of a couple that I haven't seen. One of them might not might not actually even be Pixar. It was a little dinosaur technically Pixar. Uh, the Good Dinosaur. Good dinosaur. Yes, it is. Okay, I need to see that one still. And I haven't seen Onward yet. But other than that, I've seen most Pixar movies. And Coco is easily in the top few for me. I haven't seen Onward. I haven't seen either of the Cars sequels. I haven't seen Brave. I haven't seen The Good Dinosaur. I saw that might be it. Both Cars movies and the third one, too. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Pierce is having a bad time. He's crying, and oh, then we cut back to. <laughs> then we cut back to. <laughs> 
Chicka-chicka. Chicka-chicka. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, we cut back to Slater. She's at the party. She's drinking wine by herself. And Jeff is still there for some reason. Chang comes up and jabs him for striking out. This is a good Jeff and Chang scene. This is when Chang talks about his fifth grade body. <laughs> Chang gives Jeff girl advice about like how being pathetic has worked for him. Jeff is being too confident and like thinking he has moves that he doesn't have and that's not working in his favor. So Chang tells him to, you know, like don't treat it like a game. Treat it like this is your only shot ever. Mm-hmm. Desperation. <laughs> yeah, and so Jeff does. <laughs> and Joel McHale's delivery of his attempt to get Slater's attention the Chang way is so funny. Please sleep with me. Please. Pretty please. I'm so lonely. I haven't slept with anyone in a very long time, and you are so good looking. Please do me the favor of having sex with me. Yet another thing, though, that, that you can't Wouldn't do actually life. work. No. It was such a... I'm... However, in this situation, even if it is television-friendly... You know, Jeff has been trying so hard this whole time, and now he's just, like, saying what he wants to her. Mm -hmm. And I could see where Slater would be like, okay. (laughs) I don't know. I kind of get it a little. It wouldn't happen in real life, but I get the idea that, you know, he's just saying what he wanted to say the whole time instead of trying to, like, suave his way into it. I don't know. It came off as as kind of pitiful for me, but what it it came off as to me, I guess, more so, was less Jeff genuinely meaning what he was saying, even if it was true. And more him being like, well, I'll try this Chang thing. But I... I That's I, true. I did, That's very true. I do appreciate the effect point. of it. Hey, it doesn't matter what we think, because it worked for Jeff. It and did. Slater she said is yes. she a said. beautiful woman, mm-hmm. and good on Jeff. It's true. He, uh, it we, worked. And, and the thing is, she was saying from the beginning, the issue was not whether or not she wanted to. He just kind of had yes. to... That it. definitely puts all of the pushiness from Jeff in a different perspective because Slater does make it pretty clear from the, the start that she's interested, but... Yeah, which I think... Even though Jeff probably should have dropped it, it's not like she... It's, it was like a soft, hard no. It, that's exactly what it was because she's like, I really want to, but I probably shouldn't. So they walk outside. Oh, and here you go. They walk outside of the faculty party <laughs> and... They're literally right next to where the study room party is. Yeah. <laughs> because they can hear Pierce yelling and everyone crowded around an outside door that apparently leads to the study room. Like directly and into it. <laughs> yeah. Jeff and Slater are walking past the study room from outside apparently because there's a door there. And the stuff with Pierce is going on and this is when Troy has that awesome line where he says he says he's gonna kill himself but he doesn't want us to call 911 because he doesn't want to get in trouble for taking drugs pierce this like 70 year old man (laughs) yeah doesn't want to get in trouble for taking ecstasy this is the moment that i do think absolves jeff of some of his crimes because it would have been perfectly acceptable in this situation for him to be like i'm on a date now or like i'm doing something and this isn't really my responsibility per se so you guys are kind of on your own. Especially. I feel like that would have been like typical of Jeff and maybe a little bit dickish, but he could have come to the study group the next day and nothing would have changed. Totally. And I think that especially because she like was down for it, like she was trying to walk yeah. away with him when he was like, all right, just keep moving. She played along. Yeah. She didn't say, oh, go help your friends. She let him have the opportunity to say, no, I'm going with her. And she would have gone. Jeff decides to help these people that are becoming his friends that want him to be their friend. It would have been easy for this to be a moment that makes Slater unlikable if she would have been like, well, if you're leaving, I'm out of here. But she doesn't. She kind of jabs at him for being like their 
court-appointed guardian Mm -hmm. and kisses him on the cheek and leaves. Which I think is a good job of literally putting a pin in their relationship. And Chang rides by on his hog and says, loser, (laughs) to the man who told him to be pathetic to get her attention. Listen, Chang is a married man. That's all I'm going to say. Jeff approaches this really impressive fortress that Pierce is made to trip inside of. He thinks it's going to collapse and he's going to (laughs) die. But he won't leave. There's like 12 chairs there. It's... This is when, you know, Jeff says something like, oh, that doesn't sound like the Beastmaster. And Pierce says the best line of the whole Beastmaster thing. I never saw Beastmaster. I just wanted to be cool. By saying that I've seen this obscure, terrible movie from the 80s. Yeah, because he's trying to be cool and hip. There's some, like, westerny kind of music and another fancy shot from Justin Lin of Jeff crawling into this fortress and, like, taking off his cowboy hat. The conversation that... Jeff and Pierce have is nice. I think Jeff brings himself down a few rungs, sees that he has more in common with Pierce than he might like to admit, Mm -hmm. and tries to help out Pierce instead of making him feel worse for once. Absolutely. And tells him like, Pierce, I don't know how you spent the first 60 years, but I know in the last two months you've probably doubled the national average for amount of life lived per lifetime. Well, I do have a young African-American friend. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because to Pierce, that means living life to the fullest, more so than anyone has before him. And it's not like Jeff doesn't know who he's talking about. (laughs) And Jeff picks it up with, yeah, and more importantly, you're dressed like a gladiator (laughs) in a desk fort that you built during a bad trip, which is awesome. Right? Like, what a great story to tell. Jeff really helps out Pierce Chevy Chase, in the commentary, complained and said that he doesn't like when the show gets sentimental. (laughs) I kind of get that. Sometimes you just want your comedies to be comedies. But I think in this episode, the sentimentality both with Shirley and now with Jeff and Pierce, I think it's done well and I think it resonates. I think so too. I also think that it's not as good a show without the sentimental stuff. Yeah, that's why I like this show a smidge more, I've said this before, than some of the other popular shows that have a sarcastic sense of humor Mm -hmm. that are popular. Because sure, shows like The Office and uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and nowadays, the newer seasons of It's Always Sunny, do have like moments of heart sprinkled throughout. But Community, it's like heart is beating so hard and so visibly all the time. And I think that's what made Scrubs so good, was how much emotion was there. and it still has those biting sarcastic jokes and it can be a mean show but that heart is always beating and that's so important a hundred and twenty percent yes the other thing that i love is they make us feel but they're always right behind it with a rug pull to make us laugh again that's of course when the fort structure starts crashing down Mm -hmm. and there's this beautiful action sequence of batman abed swooping in and dragging jeff and pierce out of of the wreckage and there's a, there's a couple of really great shots in this of it falling apart. It's a little bit past the realm of possibility, <laughs> but the way they film it and the way it appears, they they make it look as real as they could. Yeah, it was good. I I love kind of how that goes. Now, Zach, I, I credit, you know, I, I don't know exactly, because we haven't actually talked a whole lot about this show in particular, but how you feel about the show Friends. But Friends is one that I feel like was one of those sitcoms that really kind of perfected the timing of really serious moment cut up by comedy moment. You know, and it has a laugh track, so do that what you will with the show. 
But we'll talk about that another time. I don't know if I completely agree with you, Ooh. but I know there are good moments of that. Mm-hmm. But with back to the community thing, I think that, like you said, the way they film it, it makes it look like there actually is some danger of the eight desks that are there falling and yeah. killing them. And that's Justin Lin, who goes on to be big action movie director. Yeah. Did you know, you know Fast and Furious was, was shot in that same room with those same desks and those same actors? Yes. It was crazy. <laughs> Fast and Furious at Ridgemont High. <laughs> Jeff kind of redeems his sting to Abed from earlier that when Abed saves them as Batman, he looks at him and is like, Batman? And like truly believes it. Yeah, I, I think that Abed, you know, really saves the day here. I love that Jeff gives him that little bit of acknowledgement at the end because, you know, it just reaffirms their relationship and friendship, even mm-hmm. though Jeff likes to be a jerk to Abed more so than I think he is the others. They're still friends, and Abed is Batman, so he's going to save you at the end of the day. And then Abed yeah, follows and... with a great Batman monologue. <laughs> well, it starts speaking out loud when he's like, you know, if I stay, there can be no party. <laughs> and I love the shot that's really reminiscent of The Dark Knight, where then it cuts to Jeff, like, looking off in the distance, like, listening to what, Ab- what Abed's saying. Yeah. It's like, I must be out in the night staying vigilant. You know what I learned from the commentary that's incredible. Uh-huh. This monologue is improvised by Danny You're Pudi. kidding. They said that they told him to give like an end of episode Batman speech. Dan said that the instruction that he gave Danny was to like get jumbled up in his Batman like analogies. Mm-hmm. And that was it. He just let him talk. And they said they used almost all of it unedited. That's so cool. And I'm sure Danny Pudi would absolutely be the type of actor who's like, not many chances I'm going to get to play Batman. Right? I'll, I absolutely know what I'm going to do it. That's awesome. We see so many great things during the speech that he gives, wrapping up this awesome Halloween episode. Uh, Jeff and Annie are dancing, and some people might say that that has a romantic edge, but I just think it's so wholesome, and Jeff stepping up and being the friend that Annie needed the whole time. Even if it took him a little bit of time to get there, I do like that. I think his change in this episode feels earned. Yes, I think so too. It it feels true to his character without straying that he is kind of an asshole. Mm -hmm. We also see Troy just dancing and staring at himself (laughs) in his costume (laughs) here. That's pretty funny. We pan out. We see the Greendale campus all decorated as his speech ends and Abed standing on top of the the building that they're in now. (laughs) I love that he finishes this speech and there's there's this dramatic shot of him and then he just puts chapstick on (laughs) that's so abed it is so abed jeff might see this and think oh abed thinks he's actually batman but of course he doesn't he's just being batman he's just being batman am i a bird no i'm a bat i am batman or am i yes i am batman happy halloween and that image and Abed saying Happy Halloween in his voiceover is is where we end the episode. Yeah. Other than the phenomenal <laughs> end tag. One I of my favorites. One. And this is another thing where the bloopers have endless Oh, I bet they're so good they for this different one. things. A couple things I love about this. It's obviously just silly where, uh, you know, Abed kind of coaches Troy into, into finding his Batman voice. And then they discuss the candy corn being traffic cones and... They discuss, like, a gingerbread man driving and, like, wanting to take bites out of himself and how Troy always worries (laughs) that if he woke up as a donut, he wouldn't even consider whether or not he should take a bite of himself. Right. If I ever, like, woke up as a donut, you would eat yourself. I wouldn't even question it. Mm, That'd be tasty. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff, too. Yeah. 
this episode of Community that is the most over-the-top episode yet with the drug trip scene when i was talking about how this was the episode where i was like this might be one of the best shows of all time Mm -hmm. it was totally during pierce's like bad trip montage Mm -hmm. i was like this is just too good the same episode that's been its most wacky and wild so far is also its most warm so far right and even this end tag i think Troy and abed goofing around and pretending to be batman together and Troy saying to abed his like newfound really close friend that they have in common so much says, like, it's cool to know other people think about this stuff, too. Because they do, and they've found each other. Absolutely. I think this is probably, uh, as crazy as it sounds, the most relatable episode of the show so far, because it talks about Mm. some real stuff. I mean, you've got, you know, your basic college party stuff going on, but you also have Shirley going through real self-esteem questions about herself and harboring feelings about her relationship. You've got... You know, even just at the end, Troy and Abed goofing around and being kind of vulnerable and not trying to be the cool guy that Troy always is. He's himself. He's a weird guy when he's around Abed because he found his person that he can be natural around. I think that's really cool. Yeah. So that's the end of the episode. It's a classic. Um, Every Halloween, I like to watch Halloween episodes of TV shows. And I always watch the community ones, at least the first two or three every single year. So good. It's always fun to revisit this one. I could, I'll watch it again on... Sorry to break the facade. On real Halloween this year, I'll probably watch it again. Yeah, I'm excited I love it. to see the zombie one because I remember both of too. them really fondly, but it's been so long since I've seen the zombie one that I, I'm yeah. curious where I'll rank them after that. Who's your MVP this week? Okay, for me, I, I was thinking about it each time I watch the episode, and for me, there's only one choice this time. And it's actually, I'm going to go with Abed. I got to go with Batman. He saves the day. Yeah. He, I think, throughout the entire episode was a pretty solid constant. Um, and at the end of the day, he stood up for his friends and he's protecting the, the campus. I'm going to counter you and I'm going to give mine to Shirley this week. Nice. Shirley's obviously the character that gets the least good stuff to do. Mm-hmm. I think anybody who says there isn't a Shirley episode that doesn't feel like oh, they're just doing a Shirley episode because she never gets to do anything, you should watch this episode because her character has one of the most satisfying arcs of the whole episode. And it's not like, oh, they're trying to do a Shirley episode. It's just like everybody gets something great to do. No, and that's what makes it so good. You're right. Yeah, I think she's the character in an episode where everybody gets something great to do that gets the moment that stood out emotionally and acting-wise a little bit over everything else if i was going by comedy though my mvp would probably have to go to pierce but i stand by shirley i think that both shirley and pierce would be deserving this week as well great episode great yes job directing it great writing on it i think it's it's definitely one of the best of the series thanks for hanging out with us this week guys we didn't say it in the beginning so they probably don't know my name is zach i'm steven And welcome to You Can't Disappoint a Podcast. This week we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 7, Introduction (laughs) to Statistics. This is one of my favorite episodes, Zach. I'm so excited to jump in this bad boy. You know, audience, as we wrap up here, I just really hope that every single one of you over this next week gets to spend a little bit of close time with someone you love and share a Mexican Halloween together. Yikes. From inside the Dreamatorium, I'm Zach. I'm Steven. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow our social medias. Like us on Facebook. Yeah, and follow us Instagram, Twitter. Foursquare. MySpace. The Moon. Spooky, scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul. Seal your doom tonight.
Shudder in surprise 